That's kind of been the theme of, uh, theme of our hearts here lately. God is good all the time, regardless of what we're going through. And we have been through a lot as a church, as individuals within this body over the last uh, few months. And uh, I know that that's not ending, but we are, are learning so much about the Lord, man. He's been so faithful to show up and uh, to take what would be tragic circumstances and turn them into something good. And you guys have been so faithful to express that and to share that uh, in our Facebook feeds and in, um, and in person, just talking about how, how good the Lord is. And He is, man. He's so good. And we're learning, we're, you know, we're getting to these depths of understanding about God through our, through our struggles that we, most of us have never been before. And it's things that we're experiencing corporately. We all consider ourselves to be a part of every person's struggle as we've been working through those things together praying through those things together. So uh, just thank you, man. Thank you for, uh, for worship today, for, for that being the, the, really the theme of our hearts. It's, our, it's the cry of our hearts to the Lord right now and what he's doing in, in this body. So we are uh, in the book of Acts. We are in chapter 2, verse 42, for probably at least one more Sunday after today, uh, just landing in one verse and talking about what it means to be a community that blesses. So that's our theme. It's what God's got us on. It's what he's trying to teach us to do. So let's read the verse. Uh, and I'll add the first part of verse 43 just because it's nice. It's something to look forward to, right? And I think it's what's happening with us right now. So Acts 2.42 and 43a. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul. I wanted to add that verse 43 because ultimately that is the vision that God's given me for this body is that all would fall upon our souls. It would be something that, that there's something that happens in our hearts that transforms the way that we present God to the, a watching community. That's what's happening in the book of Acts is, is the Holy Spirit comes on these people and they're beginning to, to show Christ in such a way, they're beginning to experience Christ in such a way that they have awe at who he is. That kind of awe is missing in so many churches and in so many of our lives personally. And I just want that. I want, I want this to be authentic. I want it to be heartfelt. I want it to be the Holy Spirit doing his work. And, I believe, and I'm confident that that's what the Lord wants as well. So we're going to dig into that today and talk about it. We're in the book of Acts, and as I said last week, God's placed our church here with, a, I believe, is a, a very timely and significant purpose. Now, I emphasize those words again this week because I think we need, to, we need to dive into every message, really, that we hear together with that thought in mind, that every message from the Lord is timely and significant for this body. There's never a time when you come to church when it's a day that you can turn your brains off or turn your hearts off. Uh, there's never a time when we come together as a body of believers. And I, I, I say to church, I want, you to, I want you to hear me. When you come into the body to hear the word that the Lord has through the one who's called to give the message to the body. That's that when you come together with other believers, not in this building. This building is not much, right? And it's less than it was. But when we come together to hear what God has for the body, that's my role. We talked about that last week. That's my role is to give a word for this body that ultimately is going to help us to be what God wants us to be in this community, to reveal his glory to the, to the surrounding 
that watching community who desperately needs to know the things that we already know and will know as we continue to walk with God. So it's a very timely and significant purpose. God wants us to find out what it takes to become a community that blesses. In the book of Acts is the story of the initial acts of the apostles or the acts of the Holy Spirit through the apostles. When he came, as was promised by Jesus, to the disciples. So we understand clearly that what was happening in the book of Acts is exclusive activity of the Holy Spirit. It is not random ideas or thoughts that all of a sudden people had. These were not just, oh, hey, let's try something. Or, you know, they're doing something really cool over in uh, Macedonia. Let's try that and see how it works. You know, they got that really hip-sounding harp uh, playing and the, and the tambourine. Um, you know, we should try that in our services and see what happens. This is totally submissive uh, spirits toward the Holy Spirit. It is people surrendering themselves to the Holy Spirit. It's the exclusive activity of the Holy Spirit. And we want to be a church that surrenders to the Holy Spirit. You believe that? Say, oh, yeah. And we do. I mean, that's who we are. We want to be a community of people who have had authentic personal experiences of salvation that result from, again, from the Holy Spirit convicting us, drawing us, saving us. Cutting us to our hearts, bringing us to to himself, giving us a a divine knowledge of the truth of who Christ is and what he did for us, what God has provided through Jesus in such a way that it cuts us to the heart. And we repent and we surrender our lives to him. We want to be that kind of community that has that kind of origin. And then we want to be a community that abides in the Holy Spirit, seeking him for guidance and decisions and personal life, and also in the way that we do community. And so we're seeking that, and that's the things that we have in common with these people in the book of Acts. So we've looked at the origin of this movement. On the individual level, first of all, right, when the Holy Spirit gathered thousands to hear this message from the most unlikely preacher, Peter, who brought a simple message of grace, not complicated, just a simple message of grace of who Christ was, and what God was doing through Christ for us. And the Holy Spirit cut the hearts of 3,000 souls in a personal, intimate, individual way that caused transformation to begin in their hearts. We need that. We need to make sure that we have surrendered to the Holy Spirit's prompting and conviction and movement in our hearts, that we've been drawn to God, and that we've not been drawn to a movement or we've not been drawn to a church Uh, a body of believers, or we've not been drawn to a cool way of doing church, or or a different way of doing church, or something, you know, some of us, variety is the spice of life, guilty. I love variety. I like something different, and this is something different, and and if you've been drawn here for that purpose, it doesn't mean you're not supposed to be drawn to this body, but let the Holy Spirit draw you, and first of all, let him draw you to himself for salvation. For your own personal relationship with God. That has to happen. It happened for 3,000 souls. This immediate transformation began to happen because of that. Because the Holy Spirit changed them on the inside. And it ultimately, as we began to see last week, resulted in the formation of a devoted community. This community was devoted to some things. They were moment by moment, uh, ongoing had an ongoing commitment to some things. Last week, we saw the need to 
to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our devotion to the apostles' teaching of the Word of God. We found our need to, to be like the disciples, these first disciples, that, and we feel that. We all feel that together because it's not something that has to be, you have to be convinced to do. But when you have an authentic relationship with God individually, one of the things that God does is he draws us together with a deep, deep, not only appreciation, but dependency upon the Word of God, and we are there. We saw four expressions last week of this type of devotion that God has used. In, it, it, it takes on different forms, maybe in different bodies, but, but one thing that's happened to us organically is that as we have committed ourselves to the Lord personally, he has caused us to be a community that appreciates the word and expresses that, that uh, devotion to the word of God in this way. Number one is that you have a preacher who preaches the word who does what God's called me to do, to be that messenger for this body, to give specific messages that the Holy Spirit has for this body. Number two is that you've committed yourself to processing that by spending time personally in the Word of God, daily, constant. Remember, this is not, this devotion, that word devotion in the the original text is not about us uh, having a half-hearted commitment to something or being, feeling good about it, and so we do it as long as we feel good. This is a constant, daily, ongoing commitment to the Word of God. And so your personal, daily, constant encounters with the Word of God, if you haven't done that, if you're not there yet, I get it. But here's what I know about you that you know about you, and we're just going to agree on this because the Holy Spirit does this. Is there is in your heart that desire to be in the Word of God daily? And if the enemy's been stealing that away from you, uh, welcome to the club. It's what he does, right? Because when we get devoted to the Word of God, the enemy hates that. And so he'll, do, he'll put everything in your life that he can to, to get you away from the Word of God, from personal time in the Word of God, to find out from God, God, what does your Holy Spirit want to give me in the way of direction and guidance and conviction for my life? I, the, the Holy Spirit speaks through his word, and, and we need to be that kind of body. Not because we ought to, not because we're supposed to, not because uh, we've heard that all of our lives, but because we feel that desire in our own hearts, that desire that the Holy Spirit puts in our hearts. It is the act of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers and disciples that they are committed to personal, daily, constant encounters in the Word of God. So if you're not there, it's okay, but let's get there. Let's, let's, let's accomplish, let's train our bodies to do what our hearts already desire to do and spend time personally in the Word of God. But then also we saw last week, it's the devotion of our community to life groups where we process weekly what God has spoken to our community on Sunday mornings. Through small group interaction and accountability, we talk about it. We discuss where we are with it. We're giving honest evaluations of ourselves now, in, the, in the message that God's spoken to our body, and we take it and we, we bring, to, bring it to life group, and we talk about what the Lord has revealed to us personally in our lives for the sake of helping others in the body to also process that, but also just to be diligent and noble like the church of Berea who heard, received the word with joy but then studied it to make sure that what they heard was true and to just process that and then hold each other accountable for that. Man, we're com- and to commit to praying for each other toward that revealed word that God gave the body, that we would pray for each other toward that, the, the completion or accomplishment of that word. And then number four, we talked about our devotion to fight the enemy as he employs every tactic 
available, and he has many, and we know what they are. We've, we've studied that as he employs every t- tactic possible to keep us out of the word of God. We're going to be a church that is devoted to the apostles' teaching, and I hope that you have checked your commitment this week. I hope that you've decided to increase your participation with the Spirit in this way, that you would commit yourself to the Word of God, not in a way that you, you, you would say, oh, yes, I believe that commitment to the Word of God is good. No, that you would personally make your commitment to be here, to hear the Word that God has for the body, to process that with life group during the week, to be in the Word personally, and to fight the enemy and win the battle that you've already, that's already been won for you, to walk in the victory that you already have in Christ and defeat the enemy. Church in Acts was devoted to the apostles' teaching, but they were also devoted to the fellowship. The next verse or next phrase says they were devoted to the fellowship. Again, they were giving constant attention to the fellowship. So much in that word fellowship in the scripture. What is fellowship? When we hear fellowship, we think of hanging out together and eating, basically, in Baptist church, right? Amen? Yeah. Fellowship's all about eating, and, and it was part of that. We're going to talk about that next week, uh, the breaking of bread. You know, it was part of, part of that fellowship, of devoting ourselves to the fellowship, had to do with, with eating together. But the fellowship is not dinner on the grounds or some social event. This word is koinonia. Most of you have heard that before. It's a pretty popular uh, Greek word that's out there for people to hear. But it basically means one who participates with another in some enterprise or matter of joint concern. So a partner or an associate or one who joins with others. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about some of the expressions of that in Scripture and in this church. And obviously, we're going to, as we go through the book of Acts and we get out of verse 42, which probably sometime in two or three months. Now, when we get out of verse 42 and move, move on through the book of Acts, we're going to see some beautiful expressions of this truth that they were devoted to, they were giving constant attention to koinonia, to fellowship. So first of all, fellowship involves common interest. So what was the common interest of all these people that had had an experience the day before that this statement was made about them? What was the common interest to them? It wasn't a way of doing, of relating to one another. They didn't see a way of relating to one another and say, hey, that, we're all interested in that. Let's do it. It wasn't just the message that they heard. It was the message, but they were also bewildered by the, by the, the work of the Holy Spirit to, to put the message in their own languages. What they were bewildered by, what they were so interested in, and what they were committed to this was the Holy Spirit. This was the new move of God, the Holy Spirit living inside of people and manifesting himself in ways that caused them to start asking questions, and they were bewildered by that. So the Holy Spirit came into them after they prayed to receive uh, Christ, after they received the message of Christ. When they were cut to their hearts and they repented and were baptized, that's what they were all uh, interested in. So that was their common interest was that the Holy was these things that the Holy Spirit was doing. But the person that was in them uh, producing the fruit is who they, were, who they were fascinated by, who they were together committed to. This is where the common interest was. 
Everybody was interested in, in, in this, in how God was manifesting himself through the Holy Spirit. Now, they were obviously also commonly interested in the apostles' teaching, right, in that word, and they were drawn to that. But there was this common interest also in the, the work of the Holy Spirit. They were a community that was consumed by this new revelation of the presence of God and what that meant for them personally in their lives. And it's evident when you start seeing the activity that follows. They realized the Holy Spirit was inside of them and they were experiencing things they'd never experienced before. They were, were sensing God's, God speaking to them like Jesus was present with them. And they were being obedient immediately without any hesitation to the things that the Holy Spirit was leading them to do. I made an observation this week. It seems that churches today are more taken with the activity than they are with the presence. It's almost like we've written off, and we know this, we've talked about it before, it's almost like we've written off the Holy Spirit as, as God. It's like the Holy Spirit is some subpar kind of expression of God. When Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away, because if I go away, the Holy Spirit can come. It's better that the Holy Spirit is here. They were experiencing that. They were experiencing the betterness of the Holy Spirit, possessing them, living in them, guiding them, convicting them, moving them. So they were all uh, interested in this common experience that they had shared, talking about it, debriefing it, trying to figure it out together. The Holy Spirit had their attention. So fellowship involves this kind of common interest, but also, by its definition, fellowship involves mutual active participation in that particular interest. Mutual active participation in that interest. So again, fellowship can mean many different things, but in this context, the mutual interest for all of them is trying to figure out what is this experience that we're having with the Holy Spirit. We're being, we, we've been indwelled by God. He lives in us, and we're figuring that thing out. But it's not one person figuring it out. It's active participation. We're all doing it together. They devoted themselves to active participation in all that the Holy Spirit was leading them to do. It wasn't like many of our churches are, just thinking about things that the Bible says to do. It was, they were were saying, how can we adjust? What is the Holy Spirit doing, and, and what does it mean for us? How do we adjust to that? And man, we're going to see some crazy stuff happen immediately following this, this verse when we get into the book of Acts. Some stuff that nobody would ever think of prior to being possessed by God, prior to being owned by God, prior to the Holy Spirit living in them and motivating everything that they do. These things were not things that people think about doing. They weren't just talking about the initial experience they had with the Holy Spirit. They weren't dwelling on that. They were constantly committed together to his work as he revealed it to them. So as we start thinking about this, church, here, here's, here's, my, here's what I hope for us. I hope that you're going to find yourself, again, just like when we talked about being committed to the apostles' teaching, that is something that the Holy Spirit has already put in your heart. That is something that it, the Holy Spirit doesn't change. The Holy Spirit desires for us to be committed to the apostles' teaching. 
But in the same way uh, that you guys may, may or may not be expressing that in your life, you may not be walking with God in your personal quiet time, committing to, to be here for, for messages, committing to, to being in a life group or in, and processing those things. The truth is you may not be committed to participating in the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do as a body. My prayer is that as we walk through this, that we'll see that what it means to be in community in, in, the, in terms of fellowship with one another, what it means to be in koinonia with one another means that we are, as members of this body, called to be a part of this body, that we are committed to active participation in what the Holy Spirit is leading this body to do. We don't really care about filling these seats up with people that have no desire to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, right? We're not trying to fill the church with people. We are looking for those people that God would bring into this body who would be like-minded and, would, would, and are desiring like we are to flesh out this active participation in the things that God, that the Holy Spirit is leading us to do. So as we walk through the book of Acts, we need to realize that, that to be a community that is in koinonia with one another, we are not only are we involved in a common interest, but we are also involved in mutual active participation in that interest. But also, fellowship involves a mutual active participation in others' lives. The, the word koinonia denotes a common commitment to a group of people. One translation of the word is partnership or communion, and we'll look at some verses that talk about that. But let me just jump off here for a second. This idea of being committed to a group of people. I don't have a problem with a lot of churches in this town. You know, somebody the other day was, uh, was, when we were in Ruston meeting with our group, one of the guys said, yeah, somebody was talking about how th- there's another church building coming up in Ruston. They were talking about how uh, they were riding with somebody, passed it up, and someone said, yeah, that's all we need is another church in this town. And the guy that was sharing that said, for the first time, I understand why we need another church in this town. And it's not the building, but we need a group of people who are committed to what we're doing right now in this town. Just because there's a lot of buildings in this town that call themselves churches and have church on their sign doesn't mean that, that there's a lot of churches that are doing what we're doing are called to do. I'm fine with 100 churches. I'd rather start three or four more gathering place churches in this town if it would help to, to move forward this cause that God has for us. We are not trying to accumulate people in a building. That's why we, we've got two buildings and re- relocated in two different places. But what we are committed to is we're committed to each other in this call that God has for us. And I can tell you what Satan tries to do in that. He wants to divide us. He hasn't been successful at this point. I've never had any opposition. Gavin Place West, there's never been anybody come up to me and say, well, you know, I think we ought to be doing things differently here. It's never happened, not once. Is that a church even? Remember, the definition of church for me growing up, that is not even a church if you don't have any opposition from the congregation. Why is that? It's because the Holy Spirit is drawing us to the same cause. And we don't, we're not, we don't care. If you're not drawn to this cause, then this is not the place for you, and it's okay. If you're not drawn to what the Holy Spirit is doing in this place and the cause that God has for this group of people, this church, to do in this community, then it's okay. There are specific things that the Holy Spirit is going to do in the book of Acts. Some of those things he never did again. But one of the things he does, he always does, is he draws a group of people together in commitment to one another, in partnership, in communion with each other. 
And so they have a cause together, and they're working together in partnership. I mean, we're fighting the same fight. We're all, all on the same page. We're moving the same direction. We're, we're enhancing one another's uh, work, and we're, you know, it's in con- we're in concert with one another, not in disunity. We're in harmony. The Bible constantly describes the body of Christ as being united. And that's what this body is, and we protect that here. We want that. We want to move with God in that. Paul uses this word koinonia in this way in Philippians chapter 1, verses four through six, or 3 through 6. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, or for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, because of your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. So, first of all, in this passage, Paul is talking about our partnership in the gospel, our commitment to the apostles' teaching, the grace of God, the salvation that comes through Christ, the redemption that comes through his blood, the imputed righteousness that we receive from Christ, that message of the gospel that we are spreading. We are committed to that. Every church that calls themselves Christian has communion and partnership in that way. But remember, partnership is not, koinonia is not just agreeing with the idea. Koinonia is adjusting ourselves to be actively involved together. And so Paul says, he thanks God that this church at Philippi has been that kind of church. And he says, the partnership and communion started on one day. He says, I'm sure of this, he who began the work in you, it started on a day. But then he says, it also resulted in the constant present devotion to. Uh, it carried on until now, and with the connotation that there's going to be a future devotion to this as well. So Paul says koinonia involves partnership or communion and a very specific thing that we are all committed to, and that's the sharing of the gospel. We, cannot, we can't be in true koinonia with each other if we're not committed to that. Fellowship is horizontal and it's vertical. John talks about this in his first epistle. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, he says, That which was from the beginning we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. Why? So that you too may have fellowship or koinonia with us. And indeed, our koinonia is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So that fellowship is horizontal and vertical. We are connected to God and connected to each other. So it's communion. It's partnership. Another point, number five. We can't be in true koinonia with the community of Christ and walk in darkness. This communion, communion, our partnership, also includes us walking in the light. John tells us further on in that passage, or the very next verse, in verse 5, he says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have koinonia with him while we walk in darkness, we lie 
and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have koinonia with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So what's he saying here? Again, he's saying that we are walking in fellowship with God, each of us individually. What happened in the book of Acts is these these 3,000 souls that were drawn by the Holy Spirit through God's plan to be in this place when Peter preached the message were cut to the heart. They had a a, a life-changing commitment that, that happened where they repented and turned their lives over to Christ. So they were in fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, living in communion with, in partnership with God himself, which automatically meant that they were in partnership with one another. Because they were in partnership with God, they were in partnership with one another. Because they were tuned to the one tuning fork, they were all in tune with one another. All those things that divide us, all those things that cause us to be divided are typically things that are not the gospel. All those things that we are so uh, enamored with and we're so determined to have our way with, that even selfishness, uh, having our own way, is not being in communion with God. Communion with God means I'm in a, a mode of surrender to the Holy Spirit. I've never been with a church that was more committed to that and I've never been with a church that was able to express what koinonia really looks like in that way. We really are in union with one another because we are all giving our effort, not always our best effort, but we're giving effort to walking with God personally, and that means we're in tune with one another. So that fellowship means that we're not just walking in darkness. We're not just a group of people that say, we're, we're going to walk with God, but we're continuing to allow sin to rule and reign in our lives. We're not just walking in sin and not paying attention to those things uh, that the Holy Spirit is convicting us about. If you say that you're walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit then, and you're walking, continuing to walk in sin and hold on to sin in your life, doesn't mean you're perfect. I mean, if you're just saying, I'm just going to walk in this sin, I'm just going to live in it, then we are not in koinonia with one another. Koinonia comes whenever we are, we are working with God uh, and some sin, I mean, I know it's hard to overcome, but we don't want it in our lives. Our, des- our heart's desire is to, to walk with God, to walk in the light, not to walk in darkness. And so, again, man, the, the, an expression of koinonia means that we are not walking in darkness. And some of you may be in meetings with us, you may be coming to our church services or coming to our life groups, but are not yet in koinonia. And I want you to know that none of us are perfect, but those who are committed to the fellowship here are not simply allowing sin to continue in their lives. When you come to join our church, if there is a, a evident sin in your life and, and we confront you about that and you choose to walk in it, then you're not going to be a member of the gathering place. We're not a perfect community, but we're also not a community that's just going to allow each other to walk in sin because there's no fellowship when we're walking in darkness. We want to walk in the truth. The truth means that we're willing to share our sins and our our shortcomings. We're willing to open those things up, and your pastor has plenty of them. So I open those up. I open open it up from the pulpit. I open it up in small groups when we meet. None of us are perfect, but we are desiring to be perfect. We want that. God, help us to do that. 
We're frustrated with these bodies that we live in that are constantly waging war against our desire to live for God, to know God, to walk in fellowship with Him, to walk in the light. And so, so if you're here and you're not, you, you're, you've not made that commitment, then I encourage you to make that commitment. If we're going to be a community that blesses, then we've got to deal with sin. Each of us, for the sake of Cornelia, need to deal with our own sins. Also, Cornelia is used to express the particular forms in which the Holy Spirit's community operates. Now, we're going to see a ton of these later as we walk through the book of Acts. But Cornelia talks about the specific particular forms that the Holy, Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit's community operates. So, examples of that. In Romans chapter 15, verses 26 and 27, Paul says this, For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owed it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessing, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. They were pleased to make some koinonia. The word is the same. This contribution that we are committed to each other to this cause in a way that in this, in this place it takes a particular form. Or the Holy Spirit causes this body to, to give money uh, to support Paul's ministry. To make a contribution also for the poor and the saints of Jerusalem. Why did they do that? That's a weird thing to do unless they're drawn together by the Holy Spirit to do it. It's a very particular form of, of the Holy Spirit's movement or of koinonia. And that term is used. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, it says, Do not neglect to do good, and to share or to koinonia what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So all of the things that we have, literally, we're going to see this characteristic unfold as we go through the book of Acts, but we need to understand that what we have is not our own. Man, I'm, I'm reading this book called Called to Community that's challenging me in this way, and I, I can't wait to see what kind of expressions of this particular aspect of koinonia the Lord's going to have for us, of not owning our own possessions. What we have is not our own. The root word for koinonia is koinos, which basically means that, uh, that which is common to all. So with the body, the people that we are, part, are with, that we are committed to, that God's called us to be a part of, we have common, uh, everything that we have is common to everyone in that group. Now, that's going to be some challenging messages when we start talking about that. And, and we're going to have to get to it because it's in the Word of God. It's in the book of Acts. It's in the very next chapter, the very next verses before we even get out of chapter 2. We're going to start seeing how God called these people to do some crazy things that showed evidence that they were participating together in this form of koinonia, of sharing their possessions with each other. That everything they had was common to all. True fellowship means that all that the fellowship possesses is common to all, common to all the members of that fellowship. It's not only having common physical possession, but Paul also speaks about the fruit of community uh, in, the, in the Spirit of God as having other things in common in uh, in in Philippians and later passages. In, in chapter 2, for instance, when he talks, he makes this passage about having the mind of Christ. He says in verses 1 through 4, 
uh, prior to that passage that we're all familiar with. He says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from his love, any koinonia in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but on, also on the interests of others. Look at all the wording here that talks about everything that they have in common. He says they have the same mind. They're of one mind. It's like, it's like one head is, 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 uh, is controlling a body. There's only one mind that controls the body. How many times in Scripture, Romans, Corinthians, is the example given of a body and Christ being the head? That's what happens when you live in Koinonia with each other. You have that in common. You have the same mind, the same ideas, the same thought. You've heard, this com- heard me use this phrase, and so many people use the phrase, of being like-minded. That's what it means to be in fellowship with one another. And God is putting this mind together. We are in fellowship in some ways with all believers in this town. But there are things that God is doing in this body that we share. We have a koinonia of mind together. We also have the same love. God's called us to have a depth of love for the people in this body. It's a deeper love. It's, it's a commitment to each other. Uh, it's a commitment to take care of one another, to provide for each other. We have that same kind of love. It's a love that's not like us, but it gets beyond who we used to be because the Holy Spirit is grabbing, grabbing our hearts and giving us that same love of one another. We're all in full accord with one another. Never has there been a vote in the gathering place west that was not 100% unanimous. We've never had a descending vote in this church. We're, we're in full accord with one another. It's not because we're convincing you that what we're saying is right. We don't even talk about it. I mean, you, we just voted for a budget in January. What did we do? We handed you the budget. We told you to ask questions if you had questions. And nobody asked questions even. Because we all know. And when you pray about that budget, you look at the budget, you know it's right. And we've seen how God has done that over and over again. And we vote, and there's not a descending vote, except for Aaron acting stupid in the back. Now, I know you would. <laughs> So we're going to have to send you to another church. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Maddie, for backing up your dad. We are in, in full accord with one another. It's crazy how good this is, right? It's crazy how good it is. Man, I love, I love this church. I love the fact that we're in full accord. We're working together. We're like-minded. We're joined together in that way. We're agreeing wholeheartedly with one another. We're not having to leave our hearts and our desires at the house and come and do something reluctantly at church. We're not leaving our hearts at home and doing things that we're reluctant to do with the body of believers here. That's the way God intended for it to be. And so let's, let's have 100. Let's, we already have 100 probably. Let's have 200 churches in this town who are joined together, though, in koinonia with one another, like-minded, on purpose with God, doing their unique purpose in this town, loving one another, loving everybody else too, but called to a specific purpose. And if, they don't, if we don't fit there, then we've got to fit somewhere because God puts us in bodies together immediately. The saints 
found believers to, to meet together with. There's somebody in this town for you. If this is not your place, there's a place for you. Find your place. You know, Satan puts his people in churches too. That they have to, they go to a place and they're not finding, they're not looking for their place. They're looking for a place that they can mess up. They're looking for a place that they can go in and change rather than go in and enjoy. They're looking for a place that they don't really fit so they can go and make everybody see how smart they are or how much better they are or whatever, right? We've all been there. We don't want that. We want koinonia. Koinonia of the Spirit. They can only come about through the Spirit of God. So as we look at the details of how fellowship expresses itself in these chapters that are coming, just know we're going to see how crazy these lifestyles were, the lifestyle of this community that God was forming. And it was huge in day one. It was 3,000 believers that were doing this. But they were all like-minded. Man, to go back to the purity of a moment like that, that's what, man, that's my desire for us. As we start trying to figure out what it's like to live in community, then let's just understand that it is this for sure, is that God has called you. If he's called you to be here, he's called you to be in community with us, which requires you to be in communion with God so that we can be in communion with each other. There's no shortcut to us being a community that's in communion or in koinonia with each other. You need to be in communion with God, walking with him. And then let's listen to God and let's follow his purpose for this body. Let's move with him and see what kind of crazy lifestyle it's going to give us. We're not interested in being popular. We're interested in being right, being what God calls us to be. And it's going to be a good jumping off place as we go through the scriptures to find a number of different things that God wants to do in this body. I'm confident of that because he's called us to get into this book. So we're going to find some things that God wants for this body. I'm asking the Lord for us what these expressions might look like. I'll cast vision, and then it's up to us, again, to be in communion with God and communion with each other and find these expressions that God has for us as a, as a body. All right, so let's, let's be devoted to that. Your role in this body is so significant because God called you to be a part of this body. Every part of the body is significant. Every part, every one of you that's called to be here is a part of, is, is significant. Uh, and, and, and those of you that have been checking this church out for a while and haven't made your commitment yet to say this is where God's called me, it's okay. We want you to know that. And you take your time. But some of you need to commit to this body. Some of you are ready. You need to say, hey, this is going to be my body from now on. Uh, God's called me to be here. I know it. I, I sense the Holy Spirit drawing me together with you guys, and, and you need to make that commitment. But let's, let's be constantly devoted to these things, constantly devoted not only to the idea that God has for us as a community, but also to participation, active participation in the community, walking in partnership and communion with one another. As God continues to, to define what that means and looks like, you're only going to be more committed to it. It's not going to cause you to want to disconnect because if God's called you to be a part of this body, we're going to all be doing this together. So just keep your commitment with God strong. Let's walk in the apostles' teachings, and let's, let's do corn and ear with each other. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for what you're teaching us as a body. Thank you that we can, um, can experience this at the gathering place, Wes. Lord, it's been such a sweet experience. Thank you for this body's commitment and devotion to the apostles' teaching. 
Father, we also know that we're, we're being stretched and challenged. I pray for a deeper devotion to be in your word personally and to, to, to hear your word together and to, to uh, unpack your word in community. Father, also we ask you to, to create koinonia among us. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is already doing that. And Lord, help us to join you in that. Help us to, to realize that the common interest that we have, that is your Holy Spirit's leading for us, the, the direction that you have for us, the instruction that you have for us, Father, that that, that fellowship, our koinonia, that common interest is something for all of us. And that it requires, Lord, that we get actively uh, involved. Father, we also thank you that you've given us opportunity to be involved in each other's lives. And thank you for the expression of life group and allowing us to uh, be able to be very intimately involved with some people in this body. And God, we, I pray for more of that. Help every one of us, God, to understand the significance of, of having a connection with you in a way that causes us to have connection with each other and to express that, to walk it out. Lord, there's some of us that are walking in darkness today. God, we know that true koinonia means that the community of Christ cannot have, cannot walk in darkness. That we're lying if we're saying we're walking in community, in koinonia with each other, in Christian community, in fellowship, if we're walking in darkness. So I pray for you to, to show us our sin today. Thank you for your blood that cleanses us from all sin. And Father, help us to, to join you, your Holy Spirit, in getting victory over that. And whatever particular form that you have for this body, God, that your Holy Spirit has for us, we are open. You've already made us of the same mind, same love, full accord with one another. Lord, we agree wholeheartedly with one another about the direction that you have for us. And so, Father, just continue to speak that. We want to be your community. And, uh, and so, so, God, you have your way in our lives. As we worship you in closing today, Father, our worship is true. We are devoted to fellowship with you and with each other. And we praise you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name.